Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Gabriel Talks Football is a production of the Barroom Network. Make sure you follow Greg on Twitter at G-G-A-B-E football and follow the Barroom Network at Barroom Network. If you prefer to see the video version of this show, just go to YouTube and search Barroom Network. You'll see a list of our live shows and Gabriel Talks Football is there. Welcome everyone to another edition of, there I am, Gabriel Talks Football GTF. We are less than 24 hours after the carnage in KC. Uh, just a quick programming note, there will be no South Burbs hitmen tonight because the White Sox are just as bad as the Chicago Bears, and so the guys will return next week for a season-ending uh, show. So uh, the slate is clear for tonight unless we decide to do something Bears-related uh, if something comes up. Let us go to Greg Gabriel. Uh, Greg, how are you, my friend? A lot better than I did last week. Really? Tell us why. Uh, well, you know, last week, so you... Greg, I, I need to, I apologize. I need to stop you because the connection is really bad. I think maybe we should try going back to your computer instead of the phone because it was even better back then. The audio was a little scratchy uh, before, but why don't you. Uh, I got to turn my computer around. That's going to take a couple of minutes now. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and do that? And in the meantime, what I will do for our audience is um, I'm going to play some comments. Uh, from Justin Fields, who yesterday sounded resigned almost to the point where he kind of expects to be benched. Listen to these comments. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm looking at it like the big picture, uh, just life in general, to be honest with you. And I think, you know, this past week has had me kind of look at it like what are the important things in life? Because, you know, when things are going good, you can, you feel me, like, not say whatever, but, you know, I think these past couple of weeks uh, have made me appreciate, you know, the little things in life, you know, uh, like being able to play this game. So, um, you know, every opportunity I get to go out there and play, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to play my hardest and, you know, just just thank God for uh, giving me the ability to play. So, um, you know, uh, no matter what the scoreboard is, I'm going to keep them the same mindset and um, just, just keep pushing and keep moving forward. Now, I know there's a lot of Justin Fields fans still out there. Uh, but they appear to be decreasing. And I think Justin has been hearing the critics, and there are tons of them, you know, besides the fan base, the growing fan base that is anti-Justin Fields. There's also people in the media who are questioning whether, you know, he's really capable of playing NFL football at the quarterback position at a high level, meaning, you know, uh, being a, a pocket passer, a proficient pocket passer. There's no doubt that he can play the quarterback position, but how well, you know, he's, he's a quarterback right now that besides needing totally different type of coaching, he's a quarterback right now who also uh, really needs a proficient defense and a defense that will give him half the field to work with for, uh, for half of his possessions in order for him to lead a team to victory. Um, Mike Martz last night on the 33rd team had this to say about Justin Fields. It's a statement, a re-edification that he, he just can't do it. He just can't do it. Now, there's there's layers to this thing, too. The receivers didn't compete very well. They dropped a couple deep balls they threw in there very nicely. Um, he's He's got opportunities in this game to get the ball out to crossers and whatnot. He doesn't throw it. Um I think this whole situation with him has demoralized this team. I think he's brought it down. If, if they don't make a change, um, I think it's just going to get worse, if it's possible to get worse. That's that's the feeling here is that this team could be headed towards a winless season or a record similar to their three wins a season last year because the team has hit rock bottom, as this episode is titled. They, it's not just a quarterback play, of course, uh, so please don't come at me <laughs> with, oh, everybody's blaming the quarterback for everything, but it's undeniable that Justin 
fields holds a large amount of the responsibility. And so sometimes I hear people saying, you know, if you, if you, you know, if you were to give this team over to a proficient offensive coordinator, somebody who's had success in pro football, this team would be a lot better because of the weapons. You can't deny that DJ Moore is a really good receiver. Danny Shimon argues that he's not a number one receiver. I argue with, with Danny on that. Uh, uh, DJ, excuse me, Darnell Mooney has proven that he's a proficient receiver. He's had 80 catches, what, once or twice uh, in his career, and uh, he and Justin Fields have had a good con uh, connection in the past. And Chase Claypool, uh, while he is definitely suffering from some type of issue where he's not playing his best football, it could be because he's just upset with the way the offense is using him or he's upset at Justin Fields or he's just upset with the whole atmosphere at Hallisaw like so many of us fans are. So um, th this is a growing problem. And let's see if uh, if we can get Greg back in here. Greg, uh, I think your connection uh, looks better because you're actually moving. Uh, talk to me. Greg, people want to know if the if the Bears have supplied your Wi-Fi today. <laughs> um, uh, talk to me and let me know if this is working. He's probably talking right now. <laughs> Go ahead. I can I can hear oh, you breathing. We're having a good time here. <laughs> I, you've moved closer to your Wi-Fi router. I'm taking it. Yes. Is it better? Yes, it is. Okay. Outstanding. Greg, I got to tell you, I asked people in the chat room, what is their one word response for how they're feeling today? Miles says apathetic. Tim says embarrassed. Jordan says justified. J2K says hoodwinked. I'll ask you, not one word answer. Take as many words as you want. How are you feeling this morning? <laughs> Like I said, I feel better than I did last week because I expected a loss. I wanted good um, energy, competitiveness, etc. I thought actually they competed, but there was mistakes. And let me back up a little bit. You had Mike Martz on. I wouldn't listen to Mike Martz for five seconds having worked with the guy. Um, <laughs> and that guy's a total asshole. Doesn't he's all about me? And he's got a bone to pick here. And, you know, he, he's a coach that developed a really good offense but never would change that offense and was so stubborn about that offense that, you know, when he comes here 10 years after the fact, 12 years after the fact, everybody else had caught up to it. And yet he re refused to make any kind of adjustments. And, you know, he figured out you could do overload blitzes to one side and kill him. We saw that in New Orleans in one other game. So to me, he's, I, I'll, I'll use a phrase I used to use. I probably shouldn't, but he's as useless as tits on a mouse. Okay. <laughs> so screw him. Um, I'll, I, I gotta I'll, never, I'll never have him on your show again, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a call. I'm going to say it was about 10 minutes to 10 this morning okay. from our good friend, Pep. Pep Hamilton. Uh, yeah. Great coach. And it's Greg, what's going on? I said, they're bad. Pep, he goes, I know. I watched. And he goes, I got to say, I don't know what the hell they're trying to do, but that offense isn't an NFL offense, and they're not helping that quarterback at all. And he goes, there's no – what's the word he used? And I can't think of the word, but there's, it's just there's no rhythm in the offense. It's like they're calling plays. Mm. Okay, and that's the impression I started getting yesterday – the scheme itself, if he in fact is using the screen, the scheme that came from Green Bay, which ultimately started with with San Francisco Shanahan, really, mm -hmm. in, in Atlanta and Washington, and that's a sound scheme. We've seen that scheme, but it's you know every 
coordinator puts his own twist on things, changes plays, uh, and how they call the plays. And a lot of the staples of the Green Bay offense that we used to see when Getsy was up there as the quarterback coach, LaFleur was calling the plays. You see a lot of crossing routes where the guy crossing was always wide open. Uh, a lot of utilization of the uh, move tight end. We aren't, we aren't seeing any of these things. You know, so it, it's just, it's confusing. Uh, Flew said after the game, we got to look at everything. I would not be shocked. I don't know if you could bring, bring in another coordinator now. I mean, only because you can't, in the middle of the season, try to change terminology and everything else. You'd be setting your team back forever. You know, so it'd be that part would be useless. You got to be somebody who can you work within the same system, same terminology, and then you make a change in the off season. Um, could you, you know, is there anybody on board in the building that could even call place? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's it's a mess. But I, I've lost. You know, I was sitting blaming Justin last week on the show and it might not all be Justin, you know, and it's just, it's a mess. And, you know, people can play like you were saying earlier, well, the offense has got to help the, or the defense got to help the offense. Well, the offense got to help the defense too, because the offense has got to have some sustained drives. Mm -hmm. And these guys are sitting on the field all day. And what I started to say before he broke up, I think before the first quarter was out, the only secondary man left was Brisker. Everybody else was a backup. And now you're going against the best play caller in the business with the best offense and pretty much the best offense in the business. So he's like having a field day because he can do whatever the hell he wants with all these, this inexperience back there. So, um, Combination of things. Um, who I, I see people calling for heads, uh, uh, like Eberflus and stuff. I don't know if that's the right answer. You know, right now, the here's what I think, and I and I put a lot of thought of this in before. You're playing a, a game next week against Denver, who might be worse than the bears. They gave up 700 yards, better than 700 yards total offense yesterday, over 300 on the ground and 70 points. And Pep had watched that game. And I said, what happened there? And he goes, they're bad. He goes, you know, I got to tell you something, Greg. He said, what's going on in Denver right now is it's all about the coach. And when it's all about the coach, you can't have any success. It's about the players. And meaning that Sean is an I, me, my, and it's all about Sean. And Sean's getting his ass kicked right now. And he says, that's not going to work in the National Football League. So, you know, I, I would think I, there's people want to see Justin replaced. I, I'm going to th- say that they're going to give him one more week. And if you can't do anything next week against Denver at home, then it's time to pull the plug. Well, uh, it, and you're you're still a proponent of bringing Tyson Bajant into replace yes. Justin Yes, I'm not going to put in Peterman. I mean, I know what Peterman is. Right. Peterman's not a starter. Peterman gets you out of a game, and because of his experience – he might be better at that right now, but you give Tyson a whole week to prepare, then I think it's it's a different story. But in saying that, a whole week to prepare for what? I mean, you know, there's got to be some rhythm within the within the scheme. You can't just call plays. Mm-hmm. 
Evie wants to know how can Justin Fields be successful with so many rookies on the field? I don't care who's on the field. He's got to get the damn ball out of his hand. Mm -hmm. Now, part of that can be in fairness. And I haven't watched the all 22, which, you know, shows the whole field. There's a lot of people going down field and they were covering them good, but there's no short routes going on. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's like you move the change with those. Right. And that's the key. You've got to get some sustained drives. And you're just not getting them. Yeah, my my problem, Greg, with bringing Tyson is, and I think Jay Sanders captures it here. Uh, where'd he go? There it is. He says, Tyson will get destroyed. He can't even make the game roster week to week. Well, that's not my issue, but I do think that bringing in a rookie under these circumstances where the offensive coordinator doesn't seem to really get a good rhythm with play calling for whatever reason, um, I don't think Tyson is going to help the offensive coordinator, and I don't think the offensive coordinator is going to help uh, Tyson Bajan. I think at this point maybe the best thing for Tyson Bajan is for him to sit back and look at this disaster at least until the last quarter of the season. And and you may be right, but can he do any worse? Seriously, can he do any worse? And and the one person pointed out, well, he can't even be the second-team quarterback. That's by design, and I mentioned that last week. He's number three because as number three, you want to get him a lot of reps. And as number three, he actually gets – 10 times the reps that number two gets in practice. Mm-hmm. Number two gets one or two reps a week. And trust me, that's what it is. You get very, very few reps in practice. Well, number three is running the scout team. So he's getting everything that number two is getting mentally, and he's getting live reps when he's running the scout team. And that is very, very valuable to his development. Granted, he's going against the Bears defense, but he's still going against a defense and not, you know, nothing at all, not getting any reps at all. Mm-hmm. You follow yeah. what I'm saying? I, I totally, totally follow. Absolutely. Um, let, let's, uh, I want to talk about all aspects of the game, but let me start with the running backs. Um, here are the stats for the two running backs for the Chicago Bears. Killer Herbert had seven carries for 31 year, yards. Rashawn Johnson, eight for 38. The only other person with uh, uh, rushing yards was Justin Fields. So they finished with 116 on 26 carries. But my concern here is the running backs. This was on our after the game show. Coach T said that Luke Getze doesn't know how to set up a offensive attack. It's like it's like me when I play that Madden electronic football game. I'm just pulling out a play. I'm not setting well, that, up the defense. That's what I was just saying. They're calling plays. Right, right. Okay, so you you, you got to have a reason why you're doing every play. Where'd you go, Aldo? You disappeared on me. Um, so when you're just basically calling plays, you're not defeating or trying to defeat or attack the weaknesses of the defense. Yep, exactly. And so, I got to say one thing. I'm not an X and O guy, and I never pretend to be an X and O guy. Mm-hmm. I'm an evaluator. That's what I've been trained to do my whole adult life. So, you know, I, I, I look at can a guy play or can he play? Why can't he play or why can't he play? Okay, so when you get into – the nuances of play calling. I'm just like everybody else here. You know, it, it's, I, I don't have all the answers, but I know what they're supposed to be doing. And, and when you look at enough tape, you know what the weaknesses are in a certain scheme and you know what the strengths are in a certain scheme. And they're not, they don't seem to be attacking anything. They say they're just calling plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan has an interesting point, which is one that I've, you know, molded <laughs> in my head. Um, and it is, he, he writes, it is not evident, though, that the play sequencing is broken due to the lack of trust in the quarter, quarterback's acumen 
to execute the scheme. And so we have to at least ask that question is, is perhaps the problem with this offense is because what Luke Getze is seeing in practice and he is saying, Justin isn't getting it. He's not, he's not processing what I'm trying to accomplish here. And so I can't call running plays for him 80 times a game. You know, it's, it's broken because my quarterback is not able to process properly or not able to have the capacity to understand the game plan or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm mumble jumbling it, <laughs> but you, you, you get my point, right? Yeah, I get your point, but I mean, the fact is that none of us are at practice. Right. The media isn't at practice. They're, they're allowed a few minutes at the beginning and they're not doing anything. They're doing you know, some individual and stretching and all that shit. But they, they're one, once you get into any semblance of, of real football and uh, offensive plays, defensive plays, play calling, whatever, they don't, they're not allowed to see it. And that's throughout the league, not just here. So what he's seeing, what he's doing at practice, we, we don't know. Mm-hmm. All you can do is you can, you know, you watch the, the game. The only thing I saw different from what he's already done or, or called, you know, and I'm speaking Getsy here, is he took the screen, the bubbles out of the, the game plan and the screen passes out of the game plan. But it, it's like he still wasn't attacking. I don't think I've seen a quick slant yet. Maybe I'm wrong. Has anybody seen one yet in three games? Nope. Nope. Yeah, that again, that was a staple of Green Bay's offense. And this was supposed to be Green Bay's offense. And you you can't tell me that there's you got three receivers that can't run those routes that have already had success in the league. Mm -hmm. So what's that say? Jordan says your dog Bennett is angry at the game plan too. <laughs> no, he, he's, we're not in my study, so he's looking out the window. Yeah, and you know he's, he's, he's guarding he's house. A, he's a guard dog, and so if somebody dares walk by the house, he gives them hell. Good for him, and good for us, and good for you. Uh, all right, so you say, and of course you are an evaluator. So I ask you this. These running backs are good. Was the offensive line that came out onto that football field yesterday, which was, by the way, uh, like, hold on a second here. Uh, Mark Potash said the futile search for offensive line continuity continues for the Bears under this regime. 12 different starting lineups in 20 games. 25th different combination in 20 games. 43 in-game lineup changes heading into yesterday's game. So I ask you, are these running backs and is their entire rushing attack suffering because of this offensive line and the mishaps in building this offensive line? Well, much as I wouldn't want to give Potash for anything. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, <laughs> I love the guy. The – <laughs> if you love crazy, sure, go ahead. <laughs> um, it does make a difference. Person, I mean, again, I haven't redone the game and, and looked at the All-22. Just watching from afar, Borum actually played a little better, I thought, played a little better than I thought he was going to play. Um, you know, I thought he might get killed. Uh, playing on the left side. Uh, I think having watched this now for three weeks that white hair, I don't know what he can do at center, but he can't play guard. Mm. And you still got at least one more week before Tevin gets back. And it's just fact. That was a huge loss. That guy's a damn good football player. And Braxton going out, that hurts. So, yeah, I mean, Mark has a big point there that the injuries along the line have hurt 
any kind of continuity that you could possibly have. And, and that is a big reason, but the line doesn't call the plays. They're just supposed to block and, mm-hmm. and, and do their job. So, you know, I, I, when flu said yesterday, we got to look at everything. I think that's the first thing he's got to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not Indeed. necessarily the line, but you only can play with who you got. Right. Okay. So, but right now, if it's me, I'd replace Cody White here. I don't think he's playing worth a damn. But who, so who do you put him in? And given that Jenkins won't be available, probably because I look at the schedule. I look at the schedule, Greg. He won't be available until week six. They, they, they're not going to bring him off IR after the Bronco game. No, he can have, start working this week. I think. Okay, so it, it, possibly then week five, that Thursday night game against Washington. But I, I'm targeting because they do this ramp up thing with these injured players. Yeah, but I think he started. I think he started. In, in fairness, I think he okay. started that this past week. Oh, there good. was reports that he was, you know, running and all that along the sidelines and working with the trainers. So that's all part of the the ramp up of getting him back to be ready to play. And, and don't forget when you're on IR, it's not mm-hmm. like you're sitting around doing nothing. Okay. Okay. So there's, and there's a lot of stuff they do before they even come out. Now, depending on what the injury is, they always want you working on cardio. So mm-hmm. you keep that var- cardiovascular system at a high level. And, and so whether it's riding a bike or doing rowing, a step master where now he had a calf, uh, a calf injury. So there's probably things he couldn't do, but there's things like rowing and other things he could do to keep his cardiovascular endurance up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now, but I know there's reports that he was working with the trainers on the field last week during practice. And they said there was no limp war versus the weeks before there was a noticeable limp. Okay. So there's some improvement there. So let's get then to Denver's game. You're saying Whitehair should not be the starting left guard. So yeah, I'm but yeah, then... I'm not. The, I'm not the coach. But I, I no, I your opinion. We're, 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 yeah, we're I, for your I, opinion. I'd put I, I'd put Feeney there. I mean, Feeney started a lot of games in this league. Mm-hmm. See if he can do any better. And so, would you leave Lucas Patrick at center or move Whitehair to center? I don't think Patrick's played all that bad when you look at it game after game. These past two games, he's been at center. Yeah. Yeah. He's been at center every game. Okay. Um, All right. So then, you know, Borum at left tackle, uh, Feeney at left guard, Patrick at center, at right guard, you got Nate Davis should return uh, next week, hopefully. And at right tackle, the rookie Darnell Wright. How, as an evaluator, how good is that offensive line? Well, it's still hodgepodge. It's mm-hmm. not the line that you want when the when the season began. You know, so you're you're playing with essentially three backups in there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so great. that you know that, that's not what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so then it becomes even more difficult to be critical of the quarterback play and the running game when you're dealing with a hodgepodge offensive line. I, I, I'm, I'm just well, this is where I'm going to this, this is where I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. There's still a lot of plays there where he's got plenty of time to get the damn ball out of his hand. Indeed. Okay. Indeed. So now Derek, when we watch a game on TV, we don't see that wide angle view that you get on all 22 of, who's open and who's not. Now, they showed some end zone views, and, and they're all running deeper routes, and they're all covered. But why isn't somebody doing an underneath check down or something? You know what I mean? Yes. It, it's the, the, the design. Yes. If all these guys are going deep, there's got to be somebody open underneath because the, the, the underneath has got to be wide open. Exactly. There should be a safety it, you know, it just, it, Yeah, I mean, it just makes sense. Yeah. 
Um, Evie says we have too many inexperienced rookies. That's all that all need to gel as a team. Let me let me take that one step further. Yesterday, Matt Eberflus started his press conference by saying he was asked actually the question: Why is this taking so long? You're three games into the season. There were high expectations, and so, so and he says, "I'm not making an excuse here, guys." But the issue is, is that we had a preseason where everybody was injured at a certain point. And so we never got an opportunity in a preseason game or in practice to gel together with the, the five starting offensive linemen, the wide receivers and tight ends and so forth. And then the follow-up was, well, Justin wasn't, uh, uh, Justin wasn't injured during the preseason. He, I, I, he had a mumbo jumbo answer. My answer to that is, well, that, that hurt Justin that he didn't have his starters around him because it would have helped him better prepare for the season. What say you about well, Eberflus's excuse? He's, he's partially right, and I'm trying to be totally fair and honest. Um, that is, you know, it's like Paul's said it last week when he said it is what it is. We were hit with circumstances that we weren't able to control and that's nobody's fault but that means part of it means your depth may just not be good enough. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, but in putting together a squad, especially a squad like this, where you're in, in rebuilding mold, what are you going to do? You're going to keep a rookie that has a real high ceiling or a veteran who can get you out of a game, but is really declining when you look at his overall playing ability or playing skills. Mm -hmm. And the smart, the wise thing to do is to keep the young declining player because he's only going to get better, but you're also going to pay for that if, and when they have to play. Right. Okay. Let's take a look at Justin Fields numbers yesterday. 11 out of 22, 99 yards. He threw a touchdown through an interception. Uh, he rushed for 11 times for 47 yards and he was sacked three times for 12 yards. This, these are the wide receiver numbers. Uh, DJ Moore caught three uh, catches, had three catches, 41 yards, a touchdown. Darnell Mooney, uh, I don't even think he was targeted. He and, wasn't targeted, and, and and Claypool was thrown to on the first play of the game. Yep, and Claypool missed a catch uh, that could have been a big play, and DJ Moore actually dropped a pass as well. And so that doesn't help a struggling quarterback or a struggling offense. Well, DJ's drop was a big drop. Mm -hmm. did, did it make a difference in the game? Hell no. Mm -hmm. But it was a, it was a big play, um, chunk play that, that uh, you know, would have helped the team in that particular uh, situation. If I recall, Chase's was a really difficult – it's not like he flat out dropped it. Mm -hmm. That was a pretty difficult catch. I mean, yes. it, it would have been it would have been a great catch if he was able to hold on to it. So you're right. I, in fact, I think he was double covered on the play. So, um, you know, plays like that with, with with Claypool that happened. The one with DJ. I mean, Greg Olson even said it, and Greg Olson's played with DJ in, in Carolina. And I, by the way, Greg Olson does a great job, and he also was a big Bears fan. So when he sees performances like this, you know, that hurts him. It yes. really does. Cause I, I know Greg, you know, we converse, we text every once in a while and, and he wants to see the team do well. Mm -hmm. So when he does a game like that, I mean, it, it, it's just like, you know, the vets, Jason McKee, Olin, Jerry Azuma, Alex Brown, Lance Briggs, they're all pissed and they're disappointed because they're, just like us, they're fans. Mm -hmm. You know, I, 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 and that is interesting that you bring up all those names. Do you think it's it's a crazy idea 
for Kevin Warren to bring all of these players in, you know, on a Zoom call or whatever, and just get their input. Guys, what do you think? What do you, what do you think? You know, uh, I, I want your input. You guys are, uh, his, you know, a part of this organization and will forever be a part of this organization. I'd like love to hear your thoughts about how we can turn this franchise around. Do you think that's a stupid idea? Because <laughs> it came from me. <laughs> no, I, I don't know if it's a stupid idea. It's a different idea um, <laughs> because they were players, not coaches, but some of them were pretty damn good players. Like, Gosh. you know, we're talking pro bowl level players. Yeah. And, uh, and in the case of Kroots, just about hall of fame. And he probably will be in the hall someday. Uh so, yeah, kitten, but they're going to have, just like I have my take and you have your take, they're going to have their take. Right. And it's like, okay, well, what's the real take? You know, especially if you, if you get five different ones. Mm -hmm. All right. I want to, I want to share with you a poll that I started running this morning and will continue. It's on the Barroom Network X account, uh, also known as Twitter. Um, what should be the highest priority for general manager Ryan Poles this morning? 65, 66% say fire Matt Eberflus, which of course isn't going to happen, but he could at least start thinking about replacements, right? 10% said scouting for quarterbacks. 11% said hire Rod Marinelli for the defense. Or 13.5% said prepare your resume, Poles, because you're out of here, which of course is not going to happen. I don't think. No, I don't think Poles is going to be out of here. Right. Um, Comment Close on these make, other three, yeah. Yeah. Um, scouting quarterbacks, that's already – that's how, that's part of scouting. That's going You're on. doing it anyway. Right. Um, in fact, and, and Rod Marinelli, I, I think Rod was offered the I, – I don't know this matter of fact, but I think Rod was offered the job a year ago, and he doesn't feel he can handle it, you know, physically anymore. Sure, and, and he retired. Uh, Rod's got problems with his legs, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, he's a hell of a coach, and, and the best line coach I've ever been around. But like I said, I don't think he is. And I think Rod's close to seventy, if not seventy, mm -hmm. and I just don't think he's he's physically capable. Of handling that anymore. So I mean, if he he, was, he'd have to be, he, you know, he couldn't be, if you know Roddy's hands on, mm -hmm. and he'd have to be in a golf cart. And, right. Rod is 74 years old. By okay. Then. Two years older than me then. Yeah. So, you know, even, even the idea of maybe, you know, saying we want to hire you as a consultant, uh, here's the playbook, you know, let's talk in well, a couple of weeks. Well, he knows the playbook. Yeah. Where the hell do you think Flus got the, play, got the defense from? But Flus has had to have put in his own, you know, no thinking. question. Now, but now, look, let's go back. Flus was a defensive coordinator in Indy, uh, Indianapolis for what, five years? Mm -hmm. They had mm -hmm. top 10 defenses every year. Mm -hmm. So he's, why do you think he got the head job? Because of what he did on defense. So that's not the problem. Mm -hmm. Okay, you got to have, you can't play a team like Kansas City and have four of your five top defensive backs out of the game. Right. You're going to get killed. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm joking here, but yeah, they didn't give up as many as uh, Denver gave up. Mm -hmm. I mean, God, that, how'd you like to give up 70? <laughs> that's, Unbelievable. That, that's like, the most points given up in the league, the Bears had the record, and that was like in 65 or 66. They scored, what, 73? This mm -hmm. is the and, – and and so this is almost 60 years since anybody scored that many points again mm -hmm. on, on, in, in the NFL, and that's, that's crazy. And it'll be interesting to see how – they're they're coming here next week. Now, not only are they coming here, 
They had to go from Denver to Miami, back to Denver. Then they're going to Chicago. And it'll be so interesting to see how that team even shows up. Mm. Yeah, indeed. You're absolutely But right. I'm going to say this. If you can't beat them, this, it, it's, it's over. Because they're ripe for the ass kicking. Okay, so let's let's go let's look at this again. So you say it's over. You got a team coming in that you should beat by t- at least ten points. And so hey, wait a minute. Let's not get let's not get greedy here. Let's win the freaking game. At least uh, one point. <laughs> so if it doesn't happen, you're not going to fire the coach with the Thursday night game coming up. But if you lose it against the Broncos and the Commanders, then that is your opportunity to bring in a new head coach from within the organization, of course. Well, who are you going to bring in from within that? But see, that becomes the thing. Who are you going to bring in? Well, who are you going to bring in for the outside? Then you then you can't find somebody. That's why very few teams fire a coach in the middle of the season. Right, right. You know what about, it, it, what about getting, Hulk? It's getting a guy. What about Hulk? Hulk Hulk is a coordinator. I don't see Hulk as the head coach. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and I think my thought process and the, and and they said a key word last week, and I think it was. Friday's presser with with Flus. He said, well, everybody's got the same job this week. Differences, uh, you know, changes will be made next week. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what I'm assuming from that, Flus is going to call the place. But I think that John, especially given his experience within this scheme and his experience in the league because he's been a core, he's been a good coordinator in the league um, that he'll take over a lot of that day-to-day job of the defensive coordinator. Now, could it be the outside backer coach? Cause he's been with Flus longer. Yeah. I'm just looking at the qualifications and, uh, and, and what, uh, John has done in the league and what his experience is. So that would make the most sense to me. But then, you know, go to the offensive side. If you're going to make a change there, who are you going to put in? Like I said, you can't bring in somebody from the outside, excuse me, who runs a totally different scheme because that coach is going to have to, at least for this year, use this scheme. And unless he's familiar with it, now you really got problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd have to go out and get an interim guy that knows the terminology, knows the scheme, so at least he can be hands-on in a positive way instead right. of setting them back even more. Mm-hmm. In other words, guys, we're walking in a lot of shit right now. We really, really are, which is why I wore this hat today, because the next big game for the Chicago Bears. I can't is see the name because I'm on my phone here instead of a yeah, it's my the computer. Next, What's that the say? Next senior Bowl. Senior Bowl is the next big game for the Chicago Bears because they got they to bring in some more. and breaking up. Um, I, I got to say that's your connection, but. Nonetheless, I will continue on. Never mind about the hat. Um, can you hear me now, Greg? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good. Um, so it's basically impossible to fire the head coach in season. You, you can't do it. Like I say, if, if, you, if you had a guy that knows and understands the scheme from an offensive mm-hmm. point of view, okay. you could do it. But it's finding that person. Mm-hmm. And who is that person? You know, I offhand, I can't tell you. Jay Gruden? I don't know if he – is that the scheme? Now, he's worked with Shen. Right. So he would know the scheme, yes. Okay. And he would know wow. the terminology, I assume. All right. 
What about uh, a lot of people are throwing out the name Janoko? At least give him an opportunity to call plays, become the offensive coordinator if you're going to fire Luke Getze. Uh, what do you think? Janoko, in my, in my knowledge, I don't think he's ever called plays before. And so wouldn't that be a problem? In I, I, I'd have to go back and look. I, I, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Miles recommends Hightower for head coach, the special teams coach right now. That's an interesting name. Yeah, I number one, I don't think you're going to make a change in the middle of the season. Number two, you got to start all over. You know, you get you get into the situation like the Colts kind of had last year, and they did make a change in the middle of the season, and that was disastrous too and they they brought in their their former player and didn't do any good and i think they did it just for leadership because you know jeff was an excellent leader when he when he was a player but you know there was a lot of problems or or people in the media anyway asking questions well you didn't go through the Rooney process or anything like that, but I don't think you really have to for interim coach situation. So, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 like I said, I think it's it's too early. Fan, fans are fans think motion, so they're ready to fire somebody first game let alone the third game, but the team, the team's not going to do that. And, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd love to be a, a fly on the wall and just hear some of the conversations in there right now. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be surprising to me if, if, Flus talks today and he talks Wednesday, right? Uh, Correct. He should be talking about an hour or two. Okay, so there's going to be a change. You're going to know it. The earliest you're going to know it is today. The latest you're going to know it is Wednesday. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. My buddy uh, Zach Sullivan has been uh, upset with the play of Justin Fields since early last season. And – uh, he t- he texted me yesterday during the game and said, I- I'm telling you, man, this guy is not the answer. Look at what C.J. Stroud is doing with the Texans. He could have been a Chicago Bear. Well, I'm looking at the you stats. You broke up, right although I don't know what you're saying, but. All right. Uh, C.J. Stroud has thrown two interceptions in the last two games. He threw for 384 yards against the Colts. 280 against the Jaguars. So I ask you, Greg, did the Bears make a mistake in not drafting C.J. Stroud? And Greg's frozen. <laughs> what do you guys think in the chat room? Did the Bears make a mistake in uh, drafting, not drafting C.J. Stroud? Uh, <laughs> Jordan says C.J. Stroud looks promising. Greg, can you hear me now? I can now, but you're yes, yeah, Stroud's looking good, and 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 in fairness, Stroud didn't play as good as Fields at Ohio State in the same offense. Hey, interesting. Well, but he had different players, right? Uh, wide receiver. He only had uh, Olave left, if I remember correctly. Well, how about he had the the kid there now? I mean, he, last year he's got two guys. It'll be first round picks this year. And yeah. Harrison and uh what's the other guy's name? Uh, you know, number two, both those guys are gonna be first round picks. Yes. And he had both of them last year. So it's not like yeah. you know, he had chopped liver. Mm-hmm. And he had a first round. Of the Cardinals, they, everybody thought they were tanking. They just beat the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. 
which means that the tanks don't necessarily exist because it's not in the players and coaches vernacular, mm-hmm. but that's another story. That is another story. Um, this defense, the young players, you know, last night I'm watching the Steelers and Zach, uh, not Zach Pickens, uh, uh, Keanu Benton gets us, gets a sack. And in my mind, when I saw him at the senior bowl, I said to myself, this guy would be a great three tech candidate for the Chicago bears. The bears select two defensive tackles. Uh, they haven't looked as good as Benton looked in, uh, in that one game, a sample that I saw yesterday. What's your opinion on these two young defensive tackles? Should they be delivering more three games into the season? Well, you know, it's hard because like I, I, my thought process, and this goes back, I said it during preseason that. What the Bears have been doing is playing the two vets together and the two rookies together, mm-hmm. where I would change that and have a vet with a rookie and a vet with a rookie in, in, in the uh, rotation, only so he has some experience next to you. You know, mm-hmm. but um, I, I think both of these guys are going to be pretty good players. They need play time. Uh it's, you know, you're not even Steelers defense compared to this defense. It's apples to oranges, totally different philosophical way of doing things. One's a, a three-man front. The other's a four-man front. One's a two-gap scheme. The other is a, a one-gap scheme. So, I mean, it's hard to say exactly or, or hard to compare a player because a player can go look, look really good on a, on a few plays and make some plays, and it's because the offense is not paying that much attention to them because they're taking care of all those other good players, mm-hmm. you know. So, and and I get I I didn't watch any of the game, the Pittsburgh game last night. I was like, after the Bears game, I said I'm done with football for today. That was a Especially good after I, you know, I I watched football from. 11 in the morning until 10 at night on Saturday. So oh. um, I was and, footballed out. And that un- unsettling, that disappointing Notre Dame loss. Oh, my goodness. That was a, a great game, but it was uh, – I'm a Notre it's Dame a hell fan. of a game. I mean, it was, it was a hell of a game. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think two very evenly matched teams. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, I, I thought Notre Dame did a hell of a – granted – Harrison got hurt a little bit with that ankle twist, but it, it probably slowed him down some. But I thought they did as good a job as anybody ever has as mm-hmm. far as defensing Marvin Harrison Jr. All right, let me jump to some of these questions before we pull the plug on this edition of GTF. Andrew Littlefield wants to know, is Poles the guy? Uh, he's been asking that question every time he's on this sh- show. He says, for a team that had the first overall pick and five draft picks in the top 65 of the draft, I'm terribly underwhelmed. What can you say to Andrew? Did he have five in the top 65? And I, you know, he may have, because I know they they did some trades. Well, Wright's a starter, and he's going to be a real good starter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, He's making his assumption or assertion on what they're doing now three games in and the fair way to look at a draft and grade a draft is two to three years down the road. What are they doing then? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I think Wright is going to be a hell of a right tackle in the National Football League. I think both uh, Dexter and Pickens are going to be very good defensive lineman. I think Stevenson's going to be a pretty damn good corner. And, and if you get four starters out of a draft, you've had a hell of a draft. Sewell is, I'll tell you, Sewell got in there in the fourth quarter. He played his ass off. Mm-hmm. You know, you always saw him trying to make plays. You know, he's going to be a player. So it's, uh, I thought their, their draft this year, was actually pretty good. Now, you know, people could say, well, why didn't they take so-and-so? Like, you know, you can always do that. And, you know, and, and like 
last week, Weederer and, and Finley were going on the um, Patrick Mahomes thing and, you know, the Bears should have taken Mahomes and it's six years later. Well, I got, yeah, after the fact, it's real easy to say you should have taken somebody else. And I'm not jumping on the bandwagon for Mitch here. But if anybody in the league thought Patrick Mahomes was going to turn into Patrick Mahomes, he would have been the first pick in the draft, not Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. Am I correct in saying that? Yes, you are. Okay, so he was still 10th, and Kansas City traded up to get him because Ballard, during the fall, was the director of player personnel there. He loved him, and he sold Andy on him before he left to Kansas City, and then uh, John Dorsey also fell in love with him, and John was the uh, the GM at that time. So, you know, that was their guy going back into the fall, and they were, you know, they had to move up a bunch of spots to get him. Uh, but they still only moved to 10. But why didn't one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine take him? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, to for the record, the Bears had four picks in the top 64 picks. I'll run through these real quickly Darnell Wright. Jervon Dexter and Tyreek uh, Stevenson were both second round picks, number 53 and 56, respect, respect, what's the word, respectively. Uh, respectively. Zach, thank you. Zach Pickens was at 64. Rashawn right. Johnson. Right. He would have been, and any other year, he would have been the last pick of the second round. That's but what I've heard there was many, a, many a times. Four yes. pick. So right. he's essentially a, a, a second round pick when you look at the number. But they had four, not five, in the top 65. Right. The two fourth-rounders were Rashawn Johnson and Tyler Scott, guys that are showing promise. And then the fifth-rounders were Noel Sewell, who's shown promise, and Terrell Smith, the cornerback, who actually saw some playing time yesterday. Well, he got some time because everybody else got hurt. He, you know, he had some time. If you go back to the first 10 days of camp, Mm-hmm. He was getting reps with the one, Smith meaning, you know, was getting reps with the one, and it was like a toss-up between him and Stevenson. Mm. Then he got hurt, missed time, so any chance he had of playing went out the window. But, you know, it's way too early to say you should have did this, you should have did that. You know, people saying you shouldn't have taken – uh, Schmidt's the center. Well, then you don't have, he's going to take a defensive lineman before center. It's yeah. just, you know, uh, it, you know, it's value of the position, you know, going into the draft that already made up their mind. They were putting, they had to upgrade the defensive line. Now these got to grow. And, you know, the guy that just hasn't, done anything now so this this is on polls and the pro scouting department is jones mm-hmm. you know he then here in three games and he really hasn't done anything so it was a disappointing signing yeah it's- and then and, and if you want to say in fairness they, they tried to sign ogan joby couldn't pass a physical and then they had a you know there could have another guy or another two guys in between Ogan Joby and Jones and then a fall back on Jones. Mm. Uh, a question from Bears Country Podcast. Uh, my guy, uh, Mr. Shorty, he says, have you heard any rumors about Caleb Williams saying he would stay in college if the Bears had the number one pick? No, he didn't say that. He's, it, it is First of all, he didn't say anything his father did. And okay. his father said, if we don't like the team, um, he can stay in school another year. That isn't right. going to happen. Okay, you're giving the first pick next year, because it always jumps up a little bit, will be in the area of $40 million. Guaranteed. The whole contract's Guaranteed. It also starts his clock working towards the second contract, which mm-hmm. if he pans out, we've already seen what those numbers are. So 
it's they, uh, anything that's said now is conjecture and bullshit. Mm-hmm. It means nothing. There's been guys like uh, Joe Banner and others saying that would be the worst economic mistake the guy could possibly ever make in his lifetime. And on top of that, he's taking a chance of getting hurt next year in college and walking away from 40 million guaranteed. If you went back to college for another year. Hmm. Interesting. Um, there's been some questions regarding uh, Ryan Poles and his selection of Matt Eberflus as the head coach. And uh, there's been some back and forth with some people saying Bill Polian had a lot to do with the hiring of Matt Eberflus. What's your opinion on that? I can't say I know that or I don't know that. I, you mm-hmm. know, I don't know. You'd have to have Bill Polian on here to give you the answer to that. Mm-hmm. You know, I know, I know Ernie, I know Ernie, of course, he had a strong influence on John Fox hire mm-hmm. with Ryan. Yeah. So, so, and I don't know if, if, uh, if lives in Indy, because I know he had a place in North Carolina and North, and I don't know if he's living there permanently or, st- or still has both places. If he was st- still in Indy, he would have been very, very, very familiar with Flus's work. And in fairness, Flus earned the job. Flus was a damn good defensive coordinator in Indy. You can't, the record speaks for itself. You can't take that part away from him. Uh, you know, I've always been on record last year. I, I said it last year. I said it was my choice. I would have taken Brian DeBall, who's now with the Giants. But the Giants sucked this year, so last year they got a better team this year and they haven't won a game yet. So right. who the hell knows? Yeah. Uh, it, it's 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 fascinating, you know, what's going on over at Hallisaw. So I'll ask you this question. You know this family. You know this organization. Will, will the Chicago Bears organization pay money if Kevin Warren comes back to George McCaskey and say, listen, the solution to the problem is to hire some big-name head coaches who are going to de- demand $10, $12, 15000000 million a year – and turn the team over to an experienced head coach who has a resume of winning, that's how we can turn this thing around to coincide with the building of the stadium. Do you think the family... I, I, I got the answer for you already. Go, fire away. Denver just did that, and how's that working out? Uh, I hear you. I hear you. People people in Chicago wanted Sean Payton. Payton. People Sean, in Payton Chicago. Sean Payton's from Chicago, and so... But look, and, and I'll go back to what, what Pep said to me on the phone earlier today. When the coach makes it all about himself, it's not going to work. And, and, and I like Sean. I worked with Sean for years in New York. He's a great guy. He did an unbelievable job in New Orleans. But to be fair, Denver's worse now than they were last year. So what's he done? <laughs> so he's embar- I mean, he's embarrassed he's himself. <laughs> well, you broke done. up there. He's embarrassing who? Himself. You're breaking up again. My I, I said I, I said that he's embarrassing himself. Uh, Sean Payton is embarrassing himself. Did you hear that? Yeah, I. You know, I. I, I tell you, did you watch any of his presser? It was just off media. And yeah, then some good question, and he said, I already answered. Then he goes, next question. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. Um, we're going to stop a little early because we got these bad connection problems. We'll uh, fix those for our next show, and I'll let people know that tonight – uh, our space here at the Barroom Network is empty. We might throw in a special show just to talk about some of the problems, but we will definitely have 
two shows tomorrow, the Mike North Press Conference at 11 a.m. Central and then Bear Their Souls at 8 p.m. Central. So that's our schedule for tomorrow. Greg, any final words for Bears fans who always look for you for a little bit of hope and optimism? Uh, well, I'm going to say they better freaking win this week. Um, <laughs> over the next three days, and maybe we'll do a, a shorter show later in the week. Sounds good. All right, everyone. Thank you all very much for uh, putting through uh, going putting through up our with. technical putting up with. There you go. I need some sleep, man. I had a sleepless night last night thinking about all this stuff. Yeah, actually, I slept pretty damn good. I just, you know, yeah. I, it was just like, I'm, okay, it is I'm what it jealous. is. Jealous. <laughs> we'll see you all next time. Take care, everyone. Okay, later.